I'm Kate Forsyth and I'm an author. And hi, I'm Belinda Morell and I'm an author too. And we're sisters. <laughs> and together we've written a beautiful book called Searching for Charlotte. The fascinating story of Australia's first children's author. And Charlotte Waring Atkinson, Australia's first children's author, was our great, 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 great grandmother. How did the book come about? Wow, I guess we've been thinking about this for years, really, haven't we? That's right. We've, you know, we were brought up on the fascinating life stories of our, our literary ancestor. And every time we tell anyone about her life, people say to us, you must write a book about her. And because 2021 is the 180th anniversary of the publication of, yeah. her, of her book, we thought it was the perfect time to actually do it, write we the book. We did, yes. Yeah. So we started about really working on it about three years ago. So we've been thinking about it for a very long time, but three years ago we thought, yes, we're going to do this. And we just got stuck into it and we did months and months and months and months of research and months and months and months and months of writing. And I couldn't believe how long it took, but um, here we are three years later and we're holding it in our hands, which is so exciting. <laughs> We started the story um, with the prologue, which was talking about our childhood, because um, when we were little, we were so lucky. We had these beautiful grandparents who used to tell us the most beautiful stories. And our parents used to tell us the most beautiful stories. I think we grew up in a family full of um, storytellers. And our grandparents, Nonnie and Papa, would often take us on this beautiful journey down to the Southern Highlands. And as we drove down on the long driveway, they would tell us stories about our great, 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 great grandparents. And they were these beautiful stories. They were romantic. They were stories full of love, um, grief of triumph, um, of joy, and um, we'd finally get to Sutton Forest and we'd come into this tiny little English-style village and then we'd bump down this dirt road to get to Oldbury. And Oldbury was the house that was built by our great-great-great-great-grandparents way back in 1828. And Kate and I would peer through the hedges and we'd look at this beautiful old house that was all run down. And it was like a, something out of a fairy tale. It was this golden house through the hedges like a fairy tale castle. And we would be told these stories and, and they just took root in our imagination. And so all through our childhood, we would beg for these stories. We'd beg our grandparents to tell them over and over and over again. Um, and so that's why I started the prologue with this idea of, of our fairy tale imaginings about our great, 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 great grandmother because I fell in love with Charlotte when I was a child. I was just so inspired by her story. I just adored it. But when we decided that we were going to work on this book together, um, we were so excited at the prospect, but we were also um, overwhelmed and intimidated because it was a big project before. And also, even though we wrote a lot of books together when we were children, because we were always writing as kids stories and poems and novels, we hadn't collaborated with each other in that way as, as adult writers. No. So we went out for lunch, we bought a bottle of champagne, we sat down and we planned the book quite um, loosely but uh, thoroughly mm. and then we simply decided who wanted to do what. Um, you know, each of us have got different specialities or, or different interests so I think that you were really interested in um, researching Charlotte's childhood. And I was because I didn't know, we knew nothing, nothing about that and I just thought it would be so exciting to find out about where she grew up and what her childhood was like and what she was like as a young girl. And also I wanted to write about her journey to Australia, that beautiful romantic story about the trip to Australia because I transcribed the journal so that was something I was passionate about. And I was really, really interested. Um, Charlotte Waring Atkinson was actually the fifth cousin once removed of Charles Darwin. 
And um, I've always been interested by, um, in science and our father was a scientist as well. And so I really wanted to explore that, that relationship. We had heard many um, stories passed down through the family about how Charles Darwin went to visit Charlotte when he was here in Australia. But um, I wanted to, to know if this was true. So I wanted to write that chapter. And then I was really, really keen to write the chapter on um, how Charlotte actually came to write her book. Yes, and, yes. And you know, there's this famous court case where she, she battled to um, keep custody of her own children. And she, she took on the patriarchal system and triumphed. And I was very keen to write that book. So you, you, know, you, you let me have that chapter. And I'd, I'd already written about that. So I was really happy to let you have, mm. to, to, for you to explore that as well. So yes, yeah, so it was just a really a matter of just, um, I want that and then you want that. And then we divvied it up. So we did it very, um, it was very, it was very well. It was very swift and easy. Like, you know, we both had a strong idea what we wanted to do mm. and we didn't argue over it at all. No. Mm. So it, it worked really well, I think. Yeah, and the other decision that we made that I think was really, really important right from the very beginning was that um, our chapters were our own. We would write them in our own voice. We wouldn't attempt to do the royal we. We did this and we did that. It was going to be I did this, yes, I did that. Exactly. And then we were allowed to do with our chapters what we thought best. So, you know, um, the other one could make suggestions or perhaps, you know, uh, if we found a mistake, steak. we'd pick it up, but we wouldn't say, oh, I think you should write it this way or you should have done it that way. And we wouldn't edit each other. No, no We'd leave definitely it up, up not. to the editors. And I think that was a really it wise, was a great decision. wise decision. Mm. Mm. We just got bogged down in all this research. We had so much material. I reckon we could have written three books about <laughs> Charlotte. There was so much there. And so sadly, we did have to leave some things out. And so basically, um, we decided that there were lots of things that we were fascinated by because we were her great, 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 great granddaughters, but really that the rest of the world may not have been as interested in these really tiny little details of her life. So we decided that we had to focus on, on our reader and what we thought our reader would be interested in. And that did mean leaving things that we loved it out of the book which was quite um, sad at times. But. Absolutely but you know we we identified what our core story was and so our core story was Charlotte's journey towards these moments of triumph, her her struggle, her challenges, the moments of grief, the things that um, uh, made her life so fascinating and uh, which led her to the moment of writing Australia's first children's book. And so anything else, no matter how fascinating it was to us, th that had to be put aside. Absolutely, absolutely. So yes, that was, I think that was the driving force. Mm. So um, it did make it much easier to actually bring it back to that core story. And because we were also interweaving our own life stories, our own creative journey um, into the book as well, uh, we chose only those aspects of our life that pertained to the writing of the book and to our our own personal struggles as women and as mothers of children, um, aiming, you know, trying to live a, a, a creative life. Yes, absolutely. And so, obviously, we could have included much more fascinating things about our lives, but we chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> Did we find any big surprises? So many big surprises. It, that was, I think, that one of the greatest joys. When we started researching this book, we knew some of the key points in Charlotte's life and we were a little bit scared that there would be nothing new to discover that it had already all been found because 19th century women left a very small trace behind them, didn't they? Very, very few 
um, 19th century women left the kind of um, written body of work that Charlotte left behind, for example, or Louisa left behind. So That's exactly right. And so much of it is, is lost, you know, not, not preserved in this way. And so we thought, you know, that we would... We were worried that we would find nothing new, but we, but we did. And, and often things that we, we already knew were leapfrogged us into finding new things. So, for example, one of my favourite stories um, is a story when we were um, growing up, the great aunts would tell us stories as well about um, Charlotte. And one of the ones I particularly loved was that um, when Charlotte first came to Australia, she was on the boat and James Atkinson came on board and he tipped his hat at her. And um, apparently that was very risque in those days. And it was yeah. love at first sight. They fell in love at first sight. And within a matter of days, James wrapped Charlotte up in his plaid cloak when she was cold. And uh, later on in the journey, there was a terrible, terrible storm. And um, Charlotte was smashed by this enormous wave. She was under the water. Her big, heavy skirts were weighing her down. She couldn't get up. She couldn't breathe. And James raced to her rescue, scooped her out of the water, saved her life, and then wrapped her in his plaid cloak which I just adored this story as I was growing up. Um, but we did tend to think that sometimes our, our family of storytellers might embellish and exaggerate. So when we started on this journey, we wanted to make sure we checked all the facts. And in 2012, when I transcribed Charlotte's journal and found in her journal she talked about being wrapped in James Atkinson's plaid cloak. So that was the second thing that confirmed. Twice she talked about it. And then when we were in the Mitchell Library discovering Charlotte's sketchbook and turning to that page and discovering that beautiful self-portrait of her, so young, so beautiful, in love with roses and wrapped in James Atkinson's plaid cloak. <laughs> and that discovery was just so poignant, so, so emotional and so so incredible and it was just at the very beginning of our journey so we knew there was lots more to find. Yeah it was a really wonderful experience. Um, I think for me perhaps the most exciting discovery was realising that Charlotte had written more than just one book. You know she's well known as the author of Australia's first children's book but what we didn't realise is that she had written and, and and published other books as well, you know, collections of stories and poems. And one of those stories is the first piece of fiction ever set in Australia. And that is just extraordinary. That mm. such a wonderful discovery for us to make. It was, and then we also found out lots of other interesting things about her childhood, about what her family. We had this idea of what her family might have been, but actually, it was so artistic and they were so bohemian in a way, which was really interesting to discover mm. that and, and to find where she lived and so many little details of her life. It was just so wonderful to discover. Mm. One of the most wonderful things that we did was Belinda and I travelled to the UK together for almost a month travelling around to all the places where Charlotte had, had been born and lived and, and grown up. And we took our daughters with us. Um, so my daughter, um, Ella, was 15 and Belinda's daughter, Emily, was 21. Yes. And the four of us had this really special mother, daughter, sister, cousin adventure road trip. Um, and having the girls there with us, um, helping us with these amazing discoveries, sharing um, our, our passion. I think it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my, of my entire life. 
It was absolutely gorgeous. And the other way we involved our family was um, we have this incredible, enormous family of second cousins, 57 times removed, <laughs> whatever they might be. And we actually organised a big gathering. In fact, there was a couple of gatherings of the clan. And um, we sat down and drank tea with them and we talked to them about their stories. And we compared their stories to stories we'd heard from our grandparents. And we cross-referenced them. And we, we were able to get into family archives. So several members of our family have these beautiful archives that include these incredible treasures and they were so kind to share their their own research mm. with us their archives with us and these in incredibly beautiful museum archives almost family archives so that was wonderful and we also managed to um, involve our brother Nick who is uh, also a writer and and we we got him to um, help us with um, one little element of the legal element of the of the story which was great so mm. we had the whole family involved <laughs> Yes, I would love to um, read to you just a little bit from the prologue of Searching for Charlotte, where we start our journey. I first fell in love with Charlotte as a child. My maternal grandparents, Nonny and Papa, would tell us enthralling stories about our great-great-great-great-grandmother, Charlotte de Waring Atkinson and her family. Charlotte always shines as being clever, beautiful, rebellious and fiercely independent, like a Jane Austen heroine. Even her name was romantic, de Waring, a reminder of her French aristocratic forebears. It was only later that we discovered that the D in de Waring hadn't actually been used in centuries. But family stories are like that, romanticised, exaggerated and embellished. Nonny and Papa often took us on a journey down to Sutton Forest in the Southern Highlands to show us our family history and where we came from. On the long drive down through Mittagong and Moss Vale, they would tell us romantic stories about our ancestors, the Atkinson family, who had once farmed great swathes of this beautiful rolling countryside. They were fascinating stories of adventure, bravery, tragedy, determination and defiance. In hindsight, there was a theme that ran through many of my grandmother's stories, and it was about the strong and clever women from whom we were descended. Women who faced almost impossible difficulties, but who tackled them with courage, strength and dignity and managed to live rich and meaningful lives. These stories were truly inspirational. When at last we arrived at Sutton Forest, a small English-style village built around the church and an inn, we bumped along a rough dirt road until we came to an ancient line of elm trees and the locked gates of Oldbury. We would peer through the prickly hawthorn hedges at the grand old house that had been built by our great-great-great-great-grandparents Charlotte and James Atkinson in 1828. During our childhood, the golden sandstone house was surrounded by overgrown gardens and looked neglected and forlorn. It seemed like something out of a fairy tale, romantic, forgotten by time. I think I'm going to read um, a passage from later in the book. Um, so Charlotte uh, found herself um, in a, a marriage her second marriage, to a violent and unpredictable man. And she ended up um, fleeing from him, taking her four small children and escaping. Um, and just one of many dramatic episodes in her life. The early spring months in the Southern Hemisphere are marked by the rising of a constellation of misty blue stars known as the Seven Sisters. The ancient song lines of the Seven Sisters stretch across Australia, 
passing through a multitude of different language groups and geographies. Their rising heralds the coming of fair weather and flowers and the season of birth and regeneration. Baby magpies shriek for food and their protective parents dive bomb anything seen as a threat. Dingo pups tumble and play and snakes wriggle out from their long hibernation. The core motif of the, of the Seven Sisters story is the relentless pursuit of a group of unwilling young women by a man. The women finally escape into the sky and are transformed into the star cluster known to astronomers as the Pleiades, from the Greek myth that fascinatingly follows a similar pattern of action. In October 1839, when the Seven Sisters rose over Mount Jinjinbulan, and the land quickened with spring, Charlotte quietly sent some of her furniture to Sydney. She packed as many of her possessions as she could fit onto the back of three bullocks, including her little writing desk and the family's pet koala. Then she and her four children rode away from Oldbury. Charlotte Elizabeth the eldest was 11, Louisa the youngest was five. Oldbury and everything they knew was left in the possession of a man Charlotte called a raving lunatic. Ahead was only uncertainty. Beautiful. I can say with absolute certainty that I have always wanted to be a writer, that as long as I can remember, the only thing I've ever wanted to do is write stories. And my mother says that uh, you know, we were writing stories from the moment that we could hold a pencil. Both Belinda and I have written many, many uh, poems and books and stories. I think by the time we were 16 or 17, we had... A library. Yeah, a dozen books that we had, had written ourselves longhand in, in school exercise books. What drives someone to spend their free time scribbling down stories when they could be out running around and playing. I feel that it must be in our blood. Um, I don't know that we were encouraged to write because we come from a family of writers. Charlotte is just one writer out of probably dozens in our family background. I certainly feel that it's an unusual thing and I I have found people find it absolutely fascinating that even when we were three and four and five years old, we were reading, we were writing, and we were making up and playing imaginative games. Our, our life was full, was rich with imaginative play as well. It was, but we also came from a book mad family. So we were always encouraged to read books. Um, our mother always bought us books as presents and she always encouraged us to write stories. So she would give us little um, challenges and she'd say, can you please write a poem for your grandmother's birthday? Can you please write a play and we'll put it on on the weekend? Will you please write, I'm having a dinner party of 10 people, can you please write them all a, a little story and, and we'll put it on their dinner plate. So we were actively encouraged and nurtured and um, from a, such a young age and I think that was a really important part of our Growing up, my mother didn't believe in television. We didn't watch television. Instead, we read books, we played games, we had lots of adventures outside. It's not like we were always inside um, <laughs> reading and writing, but we just had this um, incredibly richly creative childhood, which I think is why perhaps all of us became writers. Yes, you know, nature, nurture. I think we were lucky enough to have both.
Um, I think Kate and I actually have very similar creative processes and so we treat writing very much as a job. In fact, we're pretty much straight out of bed, cup of tea, writing in our, our journal or our notebook and we're straight at it from the morning and we work most of the day. So when my children were little, I'd work from nine till three while they were at school and then in other cracks of the day. And But now I write Monday to Friday normally and often on the weekends and sometimes still late at night, but we sit down at the computer and we have a plan for the day and we both, I know we both do this, we set ourselves little goals of perhaps we want to write a thousand words a day and then at the end of the day we'll write down how many words we actually managed to achieve and we go through our notes and, and we just kind of methodically work at it like a job. We sit there and just keep plotting away, writing, revising, editing, polishing and keeping on going as the story grows and, and revising it and making it better every single day. I think it's a rare day that we don't write mm. in one form or another. Um, on the weekends, um, I, I write in my diary every single morning and so it's, it's just a very natural but very important part of my creative process to, to begin the day by uh, you know, practicing the craft. Mm, absolutely. Um, but you know, we also um, we do go outside sometimes. We do walk every oh, yes, day. We walk every day, and that was <laughs> often a, together. <laughs> so that was also an important part of our process for this book is that we would walk and discuss things, and who's, how would we tackle that, and is that important or not important? And so walking along the beach in the fresh air with our dogs, yes. and you know, we'd walk for an hour and a half um, many mornings and and discuss things and, and share whatever problems or challenges we were having, and and so even though we wrote our own chapters. As individuals, we were constantly sharing our creative process with each other. And asking for advice and then trying to weigh up what was more important and not so important. And yes, so that was really how we did it. It was a mixture, just a, a very organic process, I think. Well, um, we are both great believers in um, saving our literary heritage. Um, obviously, we are so grateful to the fact that um, so much of Charlotte's early work was saved and is now available to us to read and to study and to learn and grow from. Um, I'm a great believer in keeping a record of the creative process. Um, so we have notebooks, um, our, our research notes, our journals, our, our diaries, everything has been kept. And of course, one day we hope that someone will be writing a book like this about us <laughs> and you know how how we've worked i think that we cannot value our literary heritage enough and so we hope that um our notebooks will be kept for the future Absolutely, and I think for um, my family, they're very much, um, we have shelves and shelves at home of journals and notebooks and, 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 and from our travels, I, all of my children write their own travel journals and that was an important part, I think, of writing this book as well. When we travelled and did our research, we kept meticulous um, travel journals of everything that happened, what we could smell, what we could see, what we experienced, how we felt, what emotions we imagined that Charlotte might be feeling at that time. The joys, the challenges, the, 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 you know, the moments of appearance. Tiffany, the Absolutely. moments when we felt that our footsteps were being were being guided by Charlotte, so we found things that we had no idea existed. No, that's right. There was this, so many moments of serendipity where mm. we just discovered things that, and we really did feel like Charlotte was guiding our guiding our footsteps and showing us the way. So that was wonderful. I think that writing um, family history is such a fascinating thing to do. I think that understanding where our families come from help shape our sense of who we are in the world. 
um, I think the very first thing that needs to be done is to collect your materials. Um, ask anyone who's still alive to share their stories with you and take, you know, record them and, and get them written down. Um, I also think it's really, really important to remember that this is your story and that you have, you have the right to tell it and you have the right to tell it in your own voice and in the way that you think best. Claim ownership of your story. Yes, I think it's a really interesting thing because everybody has amazing stories. And I think when we take the dry facts of someone's life, it can be very dry and boring, the dates and the, and the milestones and whatever, but it's not those things that are interesting about um, family history. What is interesting is the stories. It's the amazing stories of what happened to people and the way that they're moulded perhaps over time. And so it is, I think it's really important to record these stories. And so when you're writing down a history of someone's life, um, a biography should be much more than just the, the, the dry facts of someone's life. It's, it's actually trying to bring that person to life, trying to get an uh, an insight into their inner life, into their emotions, what they were thinking, how they reacted to certain situations, and also thinking about, um, I guess, modern day connections. And that was something we were very conscious of when we were writing Charlotte's story is, this is not, shouldn't be forgotten history. This, is, this story resonates with so many universal themes, so many things that are still important to, to readers and to people now. And so I think that's really important to search for those um, universal themes and those things that really resonate with modern readers. And I also think it's really important to um, allow people of the past to be human, to have, you know, to have flaws, um, to show their struggles, to show their disappointments. It's sometimes tempting to write a kind of hagiography, yeah. yeah, where you know the our ancestors are idealised. Um, well, what's actually important is to understand that they were humans that mm. you know struggled and suffered and um, and failed, and you know that's what makes their stories so, so fascinating. The other really important piece of advice that I would give you is to be highly methodical in your research approaches um, to make sure that you keep excellent notes and that you know where you find all your bits of information and also to search for corroborating evidence. Um, make sure you have more than one source to confirm what might have happened. Because that's what we found a lot was, you know, there might, even birth dates, something so simple, you could have five different sources and they might have three different birth dates or marriage dates or, or, or where that person was married. And so many times we'd have to dig, dig, dig to find what was actually the truth. Mm. Um, so yes, very methodical. And enjoy it. Have fun. It's a journey of discovery. Um, it's a, a, a journey in which you will find things that you never thought possible about yourself and your family and your ancestry. And just remember to forgive your ancestors because they were, they were born and lived in a different time. And perhaps they said things or did things that we find hard to understand now. But it's important to know them for who they really were, not for who you think they should have been. Thank you. Thank you, yes. I hope you love reading our Searching for Charlotte. The fascinating story of Australia's first children's author.